Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. As you know, Wednesday nights are our power, and we believe God for a wonderful hour. So I just want to share with you a little bit about a desire that I have, and I believe we all should have, and that is promoting God's manifested presence among us every time we gather together, amen, amen. to give to him the attention he deserves from all of us. And I want to begin just by sharing, which we all should know, that our God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing, right? He's not surprised by anything that happens. He didn't, you know, just get up this morning if he gets up and say, uh, oh, I didn't know that was going to take place. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. Hard to imagine that, to process that. He knows it before it happens, but he knows everything. But he's also, we know uh, omnipotent, all-powerful. There is no greater power in all the universe. He is the one who holds all power and authority. But he's also omnipresent, and that means he is everywhere at the same time. Process that one. Everywhere at the same time. Across the sea, he's everywhere, no matter where. He's everywhere. And we thank God for that, but there's also another definition of his presence and that's his manifested presence so thank god we know that anywhere we go wherever we're at he is always present but his presence is not always manifested everywhere and it's sad to say that even time when times when people come together in church it's not manifested we don't want that we want god to show up in our church services we want him to manifest himself in our church services. Not so that we could have goosebumps and get excited, but we can experience him in a tangible and glorious, powerful way so as to be changed by that presence. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, it changed him forever. Thomas, when he wasn't in the upper room, the others were, they were changed, but see, he doubted his presence. And then when he saw him, what happened? You talk about a change that took place in his life. Once again, we want to have his manifested presence. Look at Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8. You can't hide from the presence of God. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. In other words, he's everywhere. But his presence is... His, omnipres his omnipresence ever, but his manifested presence is not always among the people. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. 
So once again, we thank God that he's here, but we want him to manifest himself so as to save the lost, to heal the sick, to set the captives free, to touch the hearts and lives of people, to minister to the needs of, of people. Because that's why he came in the first place, to manifest himself, to do all those things. In the book of Leviticus, we see some insight about his manifested presence. Throughout all the Old Testament, we see him manifesting his presence on different occasions. Remember when they gathered together and they offered up the sacrifice uh, in the, the temple when Solomon prayed? What happened? His presence manifested. The fire of God fell. The glory of God appeared. They couldn't stand up, etc. Here's another situation like that. Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, there's his manifested presence, they saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now you can't tell me sitting out there, you wouldn't have loved to have been part of that show. Imagine that. Think about it. Goosebumps? Hmm. He showed up. His presence was there. There was a fire, consumed the sacrifice. Just like when Elijah called down fire and fire came down and boom, consumed the sacrifice. That's his manifested presence. Well, what prompted the presence of God? What promoted the presence of God? Very simple. We saw it right there. They offered the proper sacrifices. And when they offered up those sacrifices, what did he do? He showed his approval. This is how I told you to do it. You did it the right way. Now stand back and watch me work. And what did he do? He consumed it. The fire of God came from heaven. And praise God, they all got to see it. You don't have to tell people to shout when you see something like that. Right? You don't have to pull it out of people when you see something like that. There can be an awareness of God's manifested presence in such a way that I'm telling you, it just moves you to respond in a powerful way. But now, there's also a different side to the manifested presence of God. You can call it maybe a downside. You think, how can there be a downside to it? Well, let's read chapter 10. It comes after 9. First three verses. They just saw the glory, the fire of God, consumed the sacrifice. Now Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence, just like it just did prior to this, and burned them up. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. They offered unauthorized fire. Their offering wasn't the right offering. Now the others did it before the correct way and the fire of God still manifested and God was pleased and he accepted the sacrifice and they all got to see the presence of God. The same presence of God manifested. He's still a consuming fire. And what happened? It consumed them. 
Sometimes I think this. The reason why he doesn't manifest himself too much, especially in church services, is like, hmm, people might get consumed. I don't want to be in that seat, do you? Mm -mm. No. If they offered the wrong fire or the wrong sacrifice and they were consumed and the others offered the right sacrifice and they saw the glory and the fire of God, hmm, what camp would you want to be a part of? I think the one that promotes the glory and power of God that touches people's lives in a powerful and glorious way, the correct way, right? Not the wrong way. Okay. Look at the book of Hebrews. Our God is a consuming fire. We know that. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Sometimes we can lose sight of that fact. Our God is a holy God. Our God is a consuming fire. And he expects us to do things the way he says to do things. So if doing it the right way, doing it his way promotes the glory and the fire of God that blesses humanity and doing it our way, the wrong way, promotes what? Them being consumed by the same fire of God? Again, what camp would we want to be a part of? The right one, right? We want the glory and the power of God to manifest in these powerful ways. Well, notice here in Hebrews chapter 12, did you notice in that verse it said, wherefore? The other ones, wherefore? Well, what does that mean? Based on everything I just said before this, wherefore? And so what did he say before this? Well, let's see what he said before this. You're not coming to the mount that might be touched and that burn with fire, nor the blackness or and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a, night, a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Hmm. But you're come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to, the, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that speak, spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven." whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signified the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. That's when he goes, then goes on to say, Serve God acceptably, how? With reverence and godly fear, because he's a consuming fire. Now, it's wonderful. The love of God is a wonderful thing to preach on. The fear of the Lord is a little bit different and the holiness of God as well. And so what's he saying? We're not under the old covenant, but I'll tell you what, under the old covenant, Moses was trembling at the presence of God. You talk about him being impacted by that presence of God. And once again, if an animal touches, it's going to be killed because God's such a holy God. I think in our culture, we've lost sight of that. 
presence of God. And it seems like in our culture, things are taken lightly. And you know, the truth is this. When people don't honor God and worship God as God, the creator of heaven and earth and all that, do you know they come up with their own gods? Romans chapter 1 makes that very clear. When they knew God, they honored him not as God, didn't respect him as God. And because of that, they were unthankful and unholy. And so they start worshiping birds and things created by God. They came up with their own idea of who God is. You know, that can fall also over into the realm of religion. We're going to come up and do, do God the way we want to do God. Well, if a sacrifice caused their death that was wrong, I think it should educate us in such a way as to say what? Let's do it God's way. Let's not do it our way. So what is God's way? That's why we're having these Wednesday night services, and that's why we want to get on our faces before God, and that's why we want to worship and minister to the Lord, because the sacrifice we're to offer is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, and acknowledging that anything that needed to be done to give us peace with God comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we should be so thankful, having such hearts filled with gratitude, that it drives us to our knees and that we pour ourselves out in true adoration of God. As a matter of fact, there's two things we have to understand. We're to tremble in a reverential fear, not an unholy fear or an unrighteous fear, in the presence, among the assembly of saints in the presence of God. Look at Psalm 89, verse 7. We've used this before. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. This is a church service he's talking about. You know, we live in, once again, a culture that is really impatient when it comes to a worship service. You know, we've got our gadgets, we've got our phones, and prayerfully we're looking up scriptures and not doing other things with them, and we've all at one time or another, I'm sure, has been guilty of it. But I think, once again, in our culture, we have lost that that when we gather like this, this is a holy place. We need to leave everything out there, out there. And in here, create a habitation for God by honoring him and letting him know, hey, it's time to shift gears. It's time to leave all that nonsense by the wayside and say, this is my time with you and you alone. And that's why I'd rather have a condensed hour in which we come and truly, truly, truly let him know we want him to manifest his presence. You know why? Because our hearts are right and we're not going to die. We're going to be lifted up and transformed. Look at the other verse in Isaiah 66 and verse 2 that tells us, for all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembles at my word. In other words, when someone says, let's see what the word of the Lord says. There is such reverence and such respect for God's word, that it almost causes one to tremble at it. I'll be honest with you, when I was growing up and I was told by my 
spiritual advisors or leaders, whatever you want to call them. You can't understand that book. Don't read that book. Just ask us, and we'll tell you what, it, what you need to know about it. And I fell for that hook, line, and sinker. Now I know why they didn't want me to do that, because what I found out in here completely changed my whole theology and concept of who God is. So what I'm trying to promote here on a Wednesday night, which I pray spills over to Sunday services, is that when we walk through those doors here, we do an about face, and we just look to God with every fiber of our being and let him know we want you to show yourself strong, to demonstrate your power, to touch people's lives, to bring wholeness into people's lives. And we want to be the ones who are the conduit for that to manifest. We want you to use us to achieve that goal. And here, and again, it's only a thought of mine, but probably a lot of his presence is withheld so people aren't consumed by it. But look here in Isaiah chapter 6, and we just got one more verse after that, and we'll close and get on our faces or whatever you want to do before God and let him know. We're not going to just sing a song of thanksgiving. We are going to, from our spirits, reach out to the living God, our creator, savior, and redeemer. One incident like this can take a person's life and transform it in a heartbeat. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, also the Lord, sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Just take, envision that. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is happening at the throne. And they're going back and forth. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me. Here's a thought here. Do you know that before this woe, <clears throat> he was saying, woe is to this one. Woe is to that one. Woe is to the one who does this. Woe is to the one who does that. But when he saw that, he said, woe is me. For I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Wow. It would do us great just to meditate on that for a period of time. You know what I mean? But there's four things. I've shared it before, but it bears repetition. Number one, it produced clarity. Clarity. They saw clearly, he saw clearly who God is. Didn't just talk about him. Tried to envision him. He saw him. Clarity. 
Secondly, that clarity brought conviction. Woe is me. I'm undone. You see, when that presence manifests in this profound way, I believe it will produce conviction in people's lives. He was convicted. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell with the people of unclean lips. Oh my goodness, this place is just too holy. Thirdly, aren't you glad for number three? It brought cleansing. When one recognizes his shortcoming and recognizes his fault, his flaw, his whatever, that's all right, we got you covered. He takes a coal, but thank God we got something better than a coal. We've got the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, spotless, presents us holy without spot, blemish, or blame before the presence of God's glory. But then, finally, when God says, who's going to go? He said, here I am. Commission. So it brought clarity, conviction, cleansing, and conviction. And what ended up happening? Well, we know the, the life of Isaiah. We know how he prophesied, and we know his ministry, and how he was a spokesperson for God. And the great redemptive chapter came from the Spirit of God speaking through his lips. So let's close with this verse. This verse gives us a revelation of the fact that whenever people get together like we are tonight, we create a habitation for this holy God. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows to a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Wouldn't it be wonderful and marvelous as we pull up to the parking lot and before we get out of our car, we say, okay, everything else, get behind me. I'm going to walk in that sanctuary I'm going to join with other believers, join forces in unity and harmony with purity of heart and mind, right motives set apart by God, each of us taking our place. So what? We could create this habitation for that Shekinah glory, for that fire of God just to come down and consume us.